I have a question, Ruga. What is your question? How many computer scientists does it take <laughs> to hook up audio to a live stream? Zero. It takes zero computer scientists. It takes someone who knows what they're doing. I was going to say more than two. Oh. Yeah. Whoops. Either more than two or, or zero. It takes an audio engineer, a competent audio engineer. That's what I said. Yeah. Well, everyone, this uh, was supposed to be the live episode that you hear as a recording of on Sunday. But we started the live episode, faced two technical difficulties. The first one was that my computer just stopped working once we started the live stream. Like it just hung and we needed to restart it. And then I don't know, maybe something went wrong then, because then when we restarted it and started five minutes late, it was all fine and dandy. But then I think 10 or 15 minutes into the episode, someone, a good Samaritan commented in the, in the chat and said, there's no audio. So <laughs> I don't know what that person was doing for that eight minutes or whatever it was. That <laughs> maybe they thought, no, maybe they thought something was wrong with their device. Cause my sister, sure. my sister also, uh, was on the, the live audio, uh, the video stream, but she thought something was wrong with her phone, which is why she didn't say anything. So they were probably under the impression that it was on their end, but, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know who you are for telling us that there was no audio. So we had to end it abruptly. And here we are recording what was to be live on a, on a non-live episode. And we're talking market manipulation. Yeah. A anyway, thank you everyone for the, some of you some support messages and said it was fine or it, it was, you know, it, like it happens and yada, yada, yada. And we, we really appreciate uh, those messages. So thank you so much for your support. Um, and yeah, okay, let's begin. So. Market, yeah, so the episode that we wanted to do live was based on something that, uh, a conversation that we had with a friend of ours who works in blockchain forensics. And blockchain forensics, for those who don't know, it's where someone can track and trace your transactions and that's kind of what helps law enforcement uh, catch the bad people from the good people. Bad guys from the good guys. So. They so our friend he was saying that Bitcoin is going to reach a point where it's stable, but not not in a deflationary sense. It's going to go down, and well, he predicted what five thousand dollars yeah, per Bitcoin, five thousand and ten thousand. Yeah, and it was a very um, it was a it was a conversation or a statement that made us more curious about his uh ID uh perception behind why he thought this was going to happen so we inquired more and he said well if you look at the volume on exchanges all of the big exchanges um there is um you can't uh, how do I explain this it's there's fake. A, what it's fake it's fake volume yeah, yeah the majority of it is um manipulated or controlled by a minority of people who have a ton of money so not only that but it's it's wash trading so it's volume created by the exchange out of thin air, so to speak, just yeah. to inflate the uh, the perception that there is volume on the exchange because the big players like to go to exchanges where there's lots of volume. And one way that exchanges have done this in the past is just to build into the exchange programs or bots that uh, basically buy and sell the same trade. They're taking <laughs> both sides of the trade in an effort to make it look like there's more volume than there actually is in order to entice the people with a lot of money to come to the platform and trade on it. And that's that's essentially wash trading in a nutshell. Right on. So we, I don't know if I believe him yet because I don't have enough data to compute that 
particular response. Well, I can I can corroborate that as well. Like that that is a fact that wash trading takes place. Like lots of exchanges have gotten caught for wash trading. Let's and talk is, about wash trading, Keegan, yeah. because I myself am not very familiar with wash trading. So, what is wash trading? It's actually what I just described. It's uh, these exchanges, they create bots or they employ people to essentially take both sides of a trade in an effort to inflate their reported volume on their platform. And the purpose of doing this is to attract more attention and to uh, sometimes it's actually to manipulate the price of a particular token as well. So they can move a, a token up in value by well, by employing people to do so, essentially giving them funds and telling them to go and systematically move the, the value of a coin up. Sorry, the price of a token or price uh, of a coin. And why is this called wash trading? What's the significance? Uh, I don't know where the word wash came from, but uh, it's that's just the term that it's it's been given. That's how I've learned it. And that's that's what I've read about it. So it's fake volume that exchanges want to give the perception of. Yes. So that more people enter their exchange and start trading. That's them. right. And it's illegal. Uh, yeah, so it is an illegal practice on uh, like on regulated exchanges. So regulated stock exchanges, for example, the, the NASDAQ, like you're not allowed to take both sides of the trade or manipulate the market through, uh, through wash trading. But it's a little bit more difficult to detect on cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, for a variety of reasons, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's still illegal for them to do so as well, depending on where your where your exchange is actually incorporated, depending a, on your jurisdiction. Okay, so then here's a question with respect to MicroStrategy. They have a significant amount of Bitcoin on their balance sheet, and just even Michael Saylor himself. Do you think that they are um, uh, they would benefit from uh, practicing wash trading? No, no, I don't think so. Um, so what's the threat to us retail investors who don't have a ton of money to just go spend on manipulating the market? Also, actually, can we define what a ton of money is? Is it a thousand <laughs> Bitcoin worth? Like, is it a million dollars? Is it 10, hundred million? Yeah. So the on-chain analysts, they actually segregate uh, Bitcoin holders into more or less three categories. That's the zero to a hundred range, a uh, hundred to a thousand range, a thousand plus Bitcoin. And it's a thousand plus Bitcoin, not dollars. Correct. So zero to hundred Bitcoin is one range. One range. Yeah. That's a very wide range. It's a pretty wide range. Yeah. It, and, and you could even segment from like zero to one is also a pretty big range. That's like the minnows. Yeah. If you, if you want to put it and then from 10 to a hundred is the tadpoles and, um, there's one names. To well, yeah, because eventually you get to whales, right? Whales are right. people with uh, a thousand or more Bitcoin. And well, Michael Saylor is a, a mega whale, right? Because uh, they just surpassed 100,000 Bitcoin. They've got 105,000 Bitcoin now, which is uh, 0 0.05, no, 0.5% of the total supply of Bitcoin. It's a pretty ungodly amount. But no, they wouldn't benefit from, from wash trading um, because like the way that I perceive the Bitcoin market and this is a disagreement that i had with our friend uh i don't believe that the bitcoin market is manipulatable uh, because once it gets to a particular size uh like size in terms of volume size in terms of number of markets uh, and exchanges that are offering bitcoin pairs uh the least the less manipulatable it becomes 
right? That's the a characteristic of a mature market is how manipulatable the market actually is. Right. But do you think we've we are there yet? I think that we're there for Bitcoin, yeah. And we're probably there for Ethereum as well. So what range of cryptocurrencies are at the risk of um, showing retail investors that they are more popular than they really are? Yeah, well, the general rule of thumb is the smaller, the smaller the market cap of a coin, the easier it is to manipulate. And so if you've got a, a coin that has a market cap of, of a million to 50 million, let's just say, then that coin is very easily manipulatable. You might only need $10,000 to move that coin uh, a couple of percentage points. And once you get that coin moving in a direction and other people take notice, uh, then that momentum can make your your initial $10,000 investment of trying to like get the momentum going up worth it, right? Because other people will then come into the market and, and carry it for you. So do pump and dump schemes often use wash trading as a tactic to generate hype? For sure. Yeah, that that's essentially what I just described is um, is a pump and dump scheme. So the early investors who, who like systematically, they sit down, they want to say, okay, I want to make money. I'm going to just pick this random coin. It's a low cap coin. It's only traded on two exchanges, which is also a very good candidate for a pump and dump because the the, le the lesser amount of exchanges that a particular coin is traded on, the less opportunity there is to arbitrage between the exchanges. So if it's only traded on one exchange, then that's the only place I need to manipulate in order for uh, to, for me to push that the price of that token up. Right. But if something's traded on hundreds of different exchanges like Bitcoin is, then it's very difficult for me to affect any one of those markets through through wash trading, through an outsized influence of you know, extreme amount of capital. Uh, right. Like even if you had one hundred billion dollars, um, you wouldn't go in and, and just put a market order in for Bitcoin and, and just throw away that hundred hundred billion dollars. Right. You'd buy. Uh, let's just say $1,000 worth of Bitcoin every second. And that's kind of the strategy that, that Michael Saylor employed. So I guess what I'm wondering now is what risk are we at? Because you say you say that we've reached a point, at least with Bitcoin, where we don't have to worry that much about market manipulation, but there really is no guarantee. Correct. Like You can't really say with confidence or verification that the Bitcoin market is not going to be manipulated or isn't already currently manipulated. Right. Well, people are trying to bring the, like you've got the bears and the bulls, right? Those very two large categories that is kind of an overgeneralization of uh, the market actors. And what they're doing are, are trying to take the Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin in the direction that favors them the most. Now, what they don't necessarily have at their disposal, like the things that they can't control are p new people coming into the market and how much money those new people have, right? So if we get a bunch of millionaires or billionaires coming into the market and, uh, and they all want to buy Bitcoin, then the bulls, sorry, the bears are not going to be able, no matter really what they do, to keep the price of Bitcoin down. Right. So the, the bigger the market, the more exchanges is traded on, the more new people coming into the market, the less able the people already in there are able to manipulate the price what, in their favor. But so for, with respect to bears, why is it advantageous for them to have the price of Bitcoin be low? 
Well, they might be trying to accumulate more Bitcoin while it's low. So the lower it is, they might have like, let's just say they've got US dollar cash flow coming in. And the longer Bitcoin is low, they can accumulate more Bitcoin. So they might be like pseudo bulls, but they want to spend more time keeping the price low so that they can accumulate Bitcoin. If Bitcoin rises too fast, too quickly, too, too much too quickly, then they don't have as much opportunity to accumulate more units of Bitcoin, which might be their end goal. The other reason why a bear might want to keep the price low is because they don't like Bitcoin. They might be an Ethereum person and they want to diminish the role that Bitcoin has by trying to keep the price of Bitcoin low and then thus trying to convince the market that Bitcoin is not a an actor or a player, right? They might be a proponent of the narrative that Ethereum will flip Bitcoin in market cap and thus take over Bitcoin's role as the king of crypto. Right. And then the third reason is that the bear might have shorts open, which is that they're betting on on Bitcoin going down in, in price. And so they have a, a financial incentive, a direct financial incentive to not just keep the price of Bitcoin low, but to drive it as low as possible, as low as they possibly can. Because the lower the price of Bitcoin goes with uh, these bears that have an open short, the more money they make. All right. Yeah. So lots to think about. <laughs> there is lots to think about. I think that the one question that has been bugging me the, uh, throughout this entire time is how does this impact me as someone who doesn't have millions in Bitcoin or even hundreds or thousands in Bitcoin? And, you know, like, let's just say that I'm a, I'm a small, I am a small investor. And how is what people with more power to manipulate the market because of more money, how does how is that going to impact me ultimately? How can I safeguard my interests of having my money in Bitcoin? Well, that depends on your time horizon as well, right? Since you and I have a long time horizon, our ability to be impacted by market manipulation goes down because the long-term effect or the long-term trend of Bitcoin is, uh, is projected to be up. Okay, well then here's a question for you. And this I this is a tricky one, at least for me to think of, and that is miners. Now miners receive Bitcoin from the network itself when they continue to mine each and every block, right? Right. Aren't they um, a healthy competition with respect to other people who would want to maintain the price of Bitcoin at a certain level or push it down or push it up or whatever else? Um, like, aren't they competitors in the disability of possessing this ability of being able to manipulate at what price Bitcoin is traded simply by withholding Bitcoin if if they're able to or not withholding Bitcoin because they can. We just recently saw the, the dip in Bitcoin uh, because of the outmigration of miners from China, and that is bound to happen again. So even if they didn't intend to manipulate the market, they had to dump some of their Bitcoin in order to carry out that out migration. And that impacted a lot of people who, whose, I guess, expectation was that Bitcoin will always go high or if they had uh, longs open. And, and obviously the price of Bitcoin did not go according to plan for their longs. So they lost their collateral or, or even their bets. So like, aren't, aren't they something to be, I guess, feared is the wrong word, but 
taken into consideration. Taken into consideration or just paid attention to like what miners do with the Bitcoin that they receive for mining. So this is a great discussion point because there's it's multifaceted and it's going to allow us to describe market manipulation in a couple of ways by exploring this particular point. And it's a really good question. So miners are in a unique position because they are in control of newly minted Bitcoin. So new supply that has never been on the market is under the sole control of of the people who are mining, which is thousands uh, of individuals, if not millions of individuals around the world. So it's a big group of people uh, that are mining, but they do have the ability to, to mint or to sell these coins into the market or withhold them and in order to maybe trigger a a supply squeeze. So keep the supply low, let the demand naturally rise in the market. Uh, The longer they hold onto their coins, the the more the supply is squeezed. And you can call that market manipulation, but I I don't think that is. Uh, I I simply think that that's just people with uh, people using their means to using what they have available to them to make themselves a profit. Um, now, let me give you a more direct example of, uh, of market manipulation. When you describe these miners exiting from China and having to maybe sell some of their Bitcoin holdings in order to put the expense of leaving, uh, that's, I think that's, and then we saw a, pr- a decrease in, in the price of Bitcoin. That's just the market responding to a geopolitical event. That's the market doing what it's supposed to do. Bitcoin dropped because the market actors actually needed to sell because they needed to take into consideration geopolitical events. That's correct. I think that's that's what was supposed to happen. Uh, I'd be surprised if Bitcoin didn't fall through it through that that period of time. Now, during the COVID crash of March 2020, we saw the stock market also fall by 10, 20, 15, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 percentage points on, on many stocks. But what we saw shortly after in the, in the two weeks following that was the Federal Reserve printed lots of money, gave it to uh, bankers, and the bankers injected that money into the economy uh, to purchase stocks. That, I would say, is market manipulation because uh, the money that was printed came out of nowhere. They printed the money and they injected into the economy. Um, and that money did not exist two weeks previous. It was just created out of thin air, which is apparently the sole right and ability of the Federal Reserve to do. Now, there, that ability doesn't exist within Bitcoin, which is another reason why I think that Bitcoin's a little bit more resistant uh, or impervious to direct market manipulation, right? These are people that sold their Bitcoin into a market. The market bought it rather than the Federal Reserve, which printed the money into existence and then bought the stocks with it to drive the market back up and quote unquote, save the economy. So do you see the difference there? What I'm gathering is that if there's policy, then it's a regulated market. If there's lack of policy, then it's a manipulated market. But if it just doesn't have either of those two things. It it simply is a market. Like it's a market no matter what. And based on the pieces at play, assuming control over any segment of the market, it either becomes a regulated market or or manipulated market. Which actually, in like both senses, it is still manipulated. But it depends on who decides that the control to um, change what the market is undergoing. Um, if they think that that is not manipulation and that is just regulation. Yeah, I, 
Sort of. I think that you actually got that backwards. You said if there's policy, then it's uh, regulated. Uh, then it's, it's a regulated market. Yeah, if it's a regulated market, then there's mar no market manipulation. No, well, I'm just saying that market manipulation exists if someone takes charge and decides to inject something in the market to so-and-so correct something that the market has decided to do on its own. So I'm just pointing out that like a market is a market and the manipulation part of a market comes into play when someone has can you say malintent um like how does the manipulation happen i would say the manipulation happens from 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 creating value or, or creating an event out of thin air so so not necessarily out of malintent right not necessarily out of malintent like these people are are leveraging their position of power to exert an influence on the market that wouldn't have been there otherwise and so let's go back to wash trading these people but, are no, hold on these people are creating both sides of the trade or taking both sides of the trade and you don't need any money to do that right you you if, you, if you're taking both sides of the trade then the trade more or less didn't really even need to exist but the fact that that trade does exist can push the price up or down depending on which which side of the market you're trying to to wash trade now that's an example of of something of money being created out of thin air, and that's the same thing as what I'm talking about with the Federal Reserve, um, where they're creating money out of thin air. That's the my real contention with market manipulation is because uh, I, I think that the miners selling their Bitcoin is is just the miners selling Bitcoin to account for their their current circumstances. But they do help. They do hold the power to manipulate the market if they decide that's what they wanted to do for a favorable outcome. I wouldn't call it manipulation because it might not they they don't have the sole influence to do something right they they might hold, they might hold their bitcoin but just because they're holding their bitcoin doesn't mean the market will go up or down right so with the federal reserve because they print money and because they give it to the banks and because the banks have the intention on jacking up the economy that is what will happen that's manipulation right their intent is to drive the market up and they have the sole control and power to do so but so does um, a mining farm that has accumulated tons of Bitcoin. So like all, that, all that I'm trying to say is that um, market manipulation exists, period. Period. It does. Yeah. Correct, yeah. And we, we talked about MicroStrategy and Michael Saylor. If they wanted to manipulate the market, they could. Uh, yeah. Because they have 0 0.5, you said, right? 0.5%. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 105,000 Bitcoin. Yeah of the entire supply that's that's a lot of bitcoin I, I still wouldn't call that manipulation though because they bought that bitcoin and no, so if I'm they not... sell it into the market then they're they're just a market actor they're just a player but you so there needs to be an intent for something so if they wanted to pri um, bring the price down then selling their bitcoin would be the way to do so because of their intention to drive the price of bitcoin down and that's why they that like that's when it's labeled as market manipulation. Well, I still wouldn't call that market manipulation because they're just doing what they have the ability to do. They're not they don't have a special ability because they're micro strategy, right? They're an equal player in terms of their ability to buy and sell, um, but they have more uh, units available to sell than basically anyone else. If you call that manipulation, then like I'm willing to concede or agree to disagree on that, but you see what I'm saying? Like the Federal Reserve, wash traders, exchanges, they have some ability that no one else has in the market. Exchanges have the ability to put a wash trading algorithm into their exchange 
to jack up or, or push down the price of something. The Federal Reserve has the sole ability to control and print money, which is an ability that no one else has. That, to me, is the definition of market manipulation, not actually just participating either by buying and selling in the market. I wonder. I wonder too. I wonder what other people would think about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do too. Uh, so, like, I, I still don't think that my thoughts on this are finished, but they're not quite yet well formed either because, w yes, I think that we have to agree to disagree at this point. Because oh, it's a hairy topic. It, it is, and because I think the definition of the word manipulation can be defined in several ways. Like, mani manipulation can mean one thing in one context and one sentence and another in another. Uh, context and sentence. So this is where we turn to you, everyone listening. What do you think of what we just talked about? Do you think that your uh, your investments are safe for the for the long term, even if you know that there's abilities that certain people possess that can drive the price up or down? We don't know. It's a vo it's volatility. Um, or do you think it's fine? I don't know what I think yet. <laughs> Keen, what do you think? He probably thinks it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. As long as you're trading Bitcoin. <laughs> if you're trading a, a market cap, a coin with a market cap of 50 million, then and it's only traded on one exchange, maybe you should take a look at that and uh, and just wonder whether or not it's being manipulated because it's more susceptible to it because yeah. of it. There we go. So comment on what you think. Uh, what what just your thoughts? What do you think about this? What do you think about the discussion that we just had? And if you had any questions, then email us at ready at GoFo Crypto. We love hearing from you. And that's that. That's that. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and talk to you next week.